Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And we've got a special July 4th America is Great edition of the Dream Preview. And we got the Wise Guy Roundtable to my left. Red, white, and blue, right? Well, his beard is red. And his skin is pasty white. <laughs> Brad <Bad> Powers. <laughs> to my right, same pasty white skin, but <laughs> black, shoe polish type looking hair. <laughs> Steve Fazek. I'm RJ Val. <laughs> Guys, I mean, a ton of action. Ton of of action with the NBA free agency. And really, this is one of those opportunities that if you can price teams quickly and act, there's a lot of money to be made. Just because, quite frankly, I think that we're seeing the markets. Think of it like this. When all the information is known and then... There's enough time to act upon it. And then after that, there's movement. That's usually potentially, maybe, but not often inside information of something new or it's a reevaluation. On Sunday, when you see an NFL team get steam fez, sometimes it is some injury or whatever. But oftentimes it's, hey, the public's finally getting involved. They're realizing, oh, that quarterback did have a bad week last week. Let's fade him. It's a lot of reevaluation. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, and I've, I've heard upwards of, what, 75% of the money bet on the NFL is bet on the day of the game on Sunday. Yeah. So, in general, we were sitting here, and we're going to go through all the moves. We're going to price them. Oftentimes, thumbs up, thumbs down, et cetera. Is the market right, wrong? But you were just sitting here backtracking on one of your points even before the show started. About Brooklyn, you had such optimism. I tweeted out, got some pushback, and you were saying, uh, I mean, Brad, t- do the imitation of Fez when he was pondering KD. Oh, K- KD, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, you said healthy, so uh, if he's healthy, I mean, Brooklyn's easily top two team. Oh, well, NBA, well, if not the best. But team. then, but that's what he was saying. Yeah. But then he was sitting here before the show going, you got to wonder. Is KD ever going to be healthy yeah. again? So now it's there's no new facts, right? But that's human nature. You sit and you ponder. And you might think, you know, that's the question, right? Malcolm Gladwell wrote Blink. He said that gut instinct has a ton behind it. You don't realize it really has merit. But I also know that sometimes... I don't see the answer for a while with things. And, and it can be something I've done. I mean, listen, wouldn't life be boring if we never had any epiphanies that we never, I mean, <laughs> I've done some stupid stuff for a lot of years. And one day I looked up and said, this is, I mean, might've been that $3 buffet, whatever it's been <laughs> I, that I'll say enough's enough. And 
half the time, I never do it again. And half the time, I'm right back at it. I mean, maybe <laughs> I'm being generous at the half, not doing it again. But that's learning. It's the same thing with betting. And I think we've seen a lot of the stuff that we – our instincts out of the gate with some of these NBA moves – the market and the general media is caught up to what we thought initially. So in general, we're going to talk about our feelings about this year, but also how we're thinking about free agency. Cause I do think there's some betting opportunities every year with it, especially now it's gotten such public attention. It's moving markets more than ever. Showtime. All right, we are key, we're taping the day before the 4th of July, also known as July 3rd, a.k.a., and we are going to keep the Kawhi stuff to the very end, as Fez calls him Kyrie. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a little pet name he had. And here's the thinking. One, even if he's made his decision, I think it's worth a listen because we're kind of doing the if-thens and stuff. But maybe you won't care at that point. So we'll leave it at the end. But if Kawhi hasn't decided, then obviously right after the best bets. So otherwise, Fez. And we'll say that Toronto one, because there's a speculation how good would Toronto be with Kawhi. And we'll save that for that part too. So Fez, maybe we should lead with the lead. You have been famous for your top NBA players. <laughs> notorious might be the right famous word. or infamous yeah yes exactly yeah. infamous <laughs> notorious and why because he's a person that for i don't know a couple years acted like he had a list and didn't i mean i guess it was a theoretical list in your head right but you never wrote it down is that fair to say that is fair to say you know that's one of the great lines of sopranos history is <laughs> the intervention with christopher if you don't remember it as a Sopranos fan, just search Christopher Intervention Sopranos. And if you do remember it, you know how great it was. All of them stand up, you know, all the key players and tell Christopher how his drug use has been problematic. And <laughs> Paulie said, and the, the, the theory was you had to write your grievances down. It was like an airing of grievances type Seinfeld S thing, which is part of the 12 steps or whatever which I'm not super familiar with, but, you know, has been depicted in movies a ton. And they said, write down your grievances. Oh, I've seen Intervention a bunch, right? It's like that, right? So you stand up, and Pauly stands up, and he goes, I don't write nothing down, so I'll make this quick. Because, <laughs> like, the, mob, the old school mob wouldn't write anything down, or they wouldn't talk on the phone. Because the theory was, they could get they could the FBI could piece it together in a way that made him sound like he's saying something he's not. And uh, I don't write anything. Imagine going your whole life without writing anything down. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> but Fez, that was like your list. What was your thinking there? Well, I have decided in 2019 going forward to have more and more lists, and as you saw before the show. I'm starting to make more lists, putting it down on paper than I ever have before. It's finding that paper. <laughs> that The problem is there are more sheets of paper floating around. And every time I'm looking for something, does it not seem to be the last sheet that I find yeah. it on? Maybe start at the end. 
<laughs> hey, Sleepy, you know what we got to do? We just have to. We have to find. I mean, if we just got four or five of him looking for paper on tape. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. You know, I've heard people say I'm smacking sometimes because in between shows, I, you know, I don't like my glucose level to drop too low. So I'm going to make a point not to. So any smacking you just heard, I'm not going to hear it from here on. That's my 4th of July commitment. But imagine if Fez, we just had like, it'd be like 50 seconds, like three little 50 second clips of him like looking all around for it. Is coming up and his eyes being like wild because he can't find it. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. would be fun. That's something else to look forward to. So you didn't have your list and then you figure I'm going to put a list out. And then famously, your first place, uh, I would say controversial. Share with us. Yeah, so I decided that instead of having a one, two, three, four, and five, my best players in the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) So he rarely laughs at himself. You know how bad this is. I had a five-way tie (laughs) for the best player. I don't want to piss anyone off (laughs) because I might get that interview with (laughs) Kawhi. All right. So we said that's not acceptable. It took you a couple more days. This is not quite the world premiere, but since I've got the music, we're going to act like it's the world premiere. But since we're telling you it's not, we're not acting like it, but we're going to play the music for it. Number five. Number five, Anthony Davis, a Laker. I know, RJ. People have been saying he's made out of plexiglass and he seems to often be injured. And he had, by his standards, a subpar year last year with the Pelicans. I think there's going to be a whole new attitude for the brow for the Lakers. He belongs in the top five. You know, one of the things I've been fighting against, and Collins probably as bad as anyone at this, in my opinion, is it's like somehow being a supporting the players is you're the proletariat. You are a man of the people. You're a union man. It's like, well, listen, my dad was a coal miner for 33 years. I'll tell you what a union man is. They're trying, you know, to make sure they're not getting black lung and not saying the players, you know, to me, one of the great tragedies in America, well, it might be strong, but certainly the great tragedy in sports. And I don't know where to place it was the idea like a Joe Lewis being broke at the end. And so many of those athletes in the 50s and 60s. I, I mean, you could say, oh, educate yourself and all that. Maybe, but I mean, certainly that would have helped. But it, just the circumstances were such, it was hard. And, and, and there was parasites all around. And today, I'm not saying players don't sometimes get taken advantage of, but boy, I mean, Brad, you listen to Colin all the time. How often is he signed with the owners and how often is he signed with the players? 90-10 players, all about mobility and all this. And, and, and take the money while you can. And I'm not saying there's any given thing that's absurd. I'm just saying there's got to be both sides of it. And to me, I look at this Davis, it's like this wasn't his first contract. He signed a second contract and he's getting paid 30-plus mil sticks and he's 
And it's not even like his contract's up the next year. It was two years left. Yep. Meaning when the problem started this year. If you sign a guy to a second contract, you're paying him 30 plus million. Shouldn't you just get a good performance or his best performance? Yep. Yep. If you have a bad year, that's life. No, he's not going to give any money back. Just like in theory, if you have a good year, you should accept the contract you have. I mean, that contract means agreement. And maybe it's just the owners have to have it be lopsided for a while before the public thinks it evens out. But to some degree, but I also guess, are you rooting more for the team or are you rooting for the player? Because to me, as a Steelers fan, I'm almost always rooting for the team. And if someone, you know, to me, Le'Veon Bell, F him. All right? He's not a Steeler anymore. A guy like Heinz Ward, and I actually got a chance to interview him in person, took a picture with him where we both put up our fists to show our Super Bowl rings. Mine was empty. And <laughs> and I asked him, I go, the rumor is that you had a contract offer where the year the Steelers cut you, you could have played one more year. He goes, yeah. He goes, I, I wanted to retire Steeler. Now, listen, if the guy didn't have the money, he wouldn't have done that. But a lot of people have the money, and they still do some really questionable stuff for more money. When does it all end, huh? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? And in this case, he said, I want to retire Steelers. Now, you might say that's goofy. Steelers are particularly, I think, good at helping or being fair to their players. At least that's my sense of it. There's a lot of loyalty in that, you know, Steeler alum, you know, group. But, boy, it just doesn't feel like that you could look at Anthony Davis. I mean, think of the analogy of, a girlfriend or a prospective wife. And if you say, well, she was with this guy and then they made an agreement to do X and then, you know, less than, you know, about halfway through that agreement, she got disenchanted and be like, is that the girl you want to marry? I mean, you have to look at any individual situation and maybe there's some extenuating circumstance I don't understand. How did you account for that, Fez? Because if all if this was some you know platonic ideal of oh this player playing his best, I see AD being maybe even higher. When when are we going to see that? And it's and not to mention the whole how's he going to perform with the brightest of the bright lights on him because he's never really had that. Meaning the playoffs is the you know as it gets towards the finals. Well, going back the year before, he was third in the league MVP voting. Remember, Th- that's our metric now. Well, and then New Orleans played in the playoffs. You talked about the playoffs; they swept Portland, and frankly, AD played very well in the next series against Golden State. So he was performing with the bright. The series lights. they lost. Yeah, they lost. So he's had one. I mean, this is old, old ground. He's had one. But I'm not, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm asking how you accounted. So you just addressed the playoff. You're saying, hey. He's had some chances when he's had him. He's played all right, or even better. Something. Played exceptionally well. Exceptionally well in a losing. Boy, if you're the if you're a top five player in the league, you probably shouldn't lose in the second round if you're playing exceptionally well. Well, I'm counting in those playoffs, including the four zero sweep of Portland. Okay, but he also played exceptionally well in a series he lost. It is the Warriors, RJ, the most historic favorite. In, so, how in many the- games did it go? I think five. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they couldn't even win at home. No. 
Brad, you better choose your shots. I know you're planning on ramping up, coming yeah. at me because you think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a good first shot. All right. And when it comes to him, just char- let's call it character. However you want to call it, intangibles, how did you consider that? Well, I think you got to give him a downgrade for what happened last year. You're talking in the abstract. What did you do? I did not adjust him, though, because I don't think that's going to be a problem so with said, the Lakers. Hold on a second. You said you got to give him a downgrade. So what downgrade did you give him? None. Depends, <laughs> depends where he's playing. And where he's playing now at the Lakers, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Zero point zero. That was your downgrade. Correct. (laughs) All right, number four. Number four, Kawhi Leonard. Now, of course, Kawhi Leonard belongs in the top five. The only question would be, why is he not one, two, or three? And really, RJ, it just comes down to the fact that he only played 60 games. Load management. So I know he was fantastic in the playoffs, and he outplayed Giannis in the playoffs. If he had played more games during the regular season, I probably would have moved him up the list. Um, So Kawhi, number four. It just goes to show you, you've got to spend five. It's almost like a real estate contract where they've got every possibility in the appendix because they've dealt with it. If we're doing a top five, is it considering which team they're currently on? It sounds like yes in this case. Number two, is it talking about how good they are or how much they contribute? And thus, the load is an issue in that case, right? Usage rate or... Right. So... In this case, it sounds like you're saying it's what kind of yield you expect from this player on this team, and that is going to, one, the specifics of the team chemistry, and number, or in this case, the idea the Lakers are going to motivate them. Yes. Right? And also you're saying how much they play and how much you expect them to play is key. Yes. All right. So I personally would have them higher. Uh, I also think you got to add in if you're going to subtract AD for intangibles, you got to add him for Kawhi. And I'll tell you this: it's one of the real befuddlements of my basketball fandom is who's to blame for the Kawhi situation with the Spurs. And we've talked about it. Uh, and remember, straight out of Vegas radio show, Fox Sports Radio. By the way. We're not going to talk about it here because the tail isn't long enough. Hot dog best bet from Fez. If you want it for tomorrow, if you want it for the 4th of July, and that goes kind of early Pacific, but a little later, obviously at the same time, but based on the clock. If not, we could pass post. We could win, yeah. (laughs) But it's like the sting. But I'll tell you this is I kind of like his bet, though I am concerned about one thing, but he's got a best bet. You just search for... Straight out of Vegas. Very urban. Out is O-U-T-T-A. Do you know about that, Daryl? Say that one more time, RJ. Did you know how urban we are that we on straight out of Vegas is O-U-T-T-A? That's one of the reasons why I was actually attracted <laughs> to the show. Now, you do know that what when Fezzik calls you bro, that's unusual for him. <laughs> you know what, though? I respect it coming from Fez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. This is straight hip-hop. Fez. Y'all tripping. <laughs> <laughs> to me, if you blame him for the Spurs situation, then you got to downgrade. You know, uh, and it's even hard to imagine downgrading him for character. Except because if you look all the way up to the conflict with the injury for Kawhi, 
He was the ultimate team guy. Not a lot of jibber-jabber. With Toronto, he was such the team guy. The team took on his personality. Yep. The steely assassins. And, again, Bill Simmons really knows the NBA, has a lot of contacts. Said words coming out that the Spurs just misdiagnosed this, that, that Kawhi was right. And I don't know about how he responded. I can't answer to that. But you take that away, this is a guy you get on your team and you know that the BS ain't going to happen because he's no nonsense. You add that with defense, which gets undervalued on lists like these, four is uh, too low in my opinion. You probably you, – you make a great case – and I would add Kawhi, remember he was a number 15 pick. So here's a guy that wasn't a really good shooter, San Diego State, that has been working on his game. And how many of these other NBA players that we keep saying, how come they're not developing their jump shot? Kawhi totally changed his game to become this elite player. Yeah, I do think it's important to realize, not saying Kawhi's not making effort between each year, but that jump in that shot came fairly quickly. They got professional, and I do think it's, you look at you know, Simmons and the Big Macs that was signed for Philadelphia, it's a situation where you could say, oh, mate, if, he only, if he only gets a jumper. It's like, man, we're years into this. And I do think there's a difference from college through the first year, if you get a good shooting coach and the kind of strides you can make. Versus, it's almost like if a kid comes from an impoverished country and he starts getting good nutrition, all of a sudden you're going to see a quantum leap. You're not going to necessarily see that every year because there was a deficiency. I think with Kawhi, mm-hmm. there was a deficiency in, in his mechanics. And once those were fixed, he became the shooter he is. Not that he's not getting incrementally better in this, that, or the other, but that was a quant. And, I, and I, I'm just saying this not to downplay Kawhi, but rather to define when we can be optimistic, I think, about someone fixing their shot versus when we can't. Mm, great point. Number any thoughts, Brad? No, I was just looking. I mean, you're just like checking everything I say, <laughs> no, trying no, to find no, something. No. Wow, no. I was just thinking Jordan. What you know wasn't really relying on his outside. No, shot I agree with early you there. in his career, and I was just looking at his stats. And and again, but he was one where it wasn't even so much. I think that he didn't have the mechanics. He just didn't. Need, he didn't shoot a ton from the outside. Absolutely. And then as he got older, and he got that fall away. Yeah. <laughs> MJ. All right. Number three. Number three, LeBron. And I got to tell you, RJ, I struggle with where I should put him on the list because obviously he had a down year last year and he frankly stopped playing much defense at all at, when he came back from the groin injury. And so if I looked at his body of work last year, I'd be like, whoa, I don't even know if LeBron's a top 10 player anymore. But I think you got to look at the circumstances. The Lakers were 20 and 14. They beat Golden State on Christmas Day. They're number four in the West, and he was playing at an elite level. And then the, by the end of the year, everything had gone wrong for the Lakers. I think we've got to judge more for LeBron on those eight straight trips to the conference finals and the fact load management. The fact. Oh, only- oh, oh, hold on, hold on. We know how good LeBron was in his youth. The only question is how's he aging? Exactly. So why does the eight straight finals have anything to do with that? Well, just that he could single-handedly will himself into but, the but finals. But again, we, we understand that he was the best player, or maybe still is, of, the gener- of his generation. The question is, how much has he 
uh, not depreciated. How much has he dropped off? Yeah, that is the big question. So what does the eight straight finals have to do with it? Well, the fact that he had nothing. Nothing. Okay. So what? So the question is, what is our assessment? Like, what are you using as your gauge to how much you expect him to drop off? Because if he didn't drop off at all, because the case could be made that not last, the most recent season, but the season before was as good as any season LeBron's had, at least statistically. You agree with that? Agreed. Now he's number three on the Fezzik list. He was tied for first, but now he's three. Yes. <laughs> is it a situation? Wouldn't it be funny? It's like, and then we're coming to the top five after the commercial break. And it's, it's like, okay, tied for first. <laughs> I mean, that would ruin the show, I think. You know, if it was like an unveiling of the BCS rankings, <laughs> you must think he's dropped off some. So what makes you think that? And then the counter, I'll give you the second question. Yeah. Why, what makes you think he's only dropped off that little? Yeah. So he turns 35 in December, and I think that mid-30s, I know I've been saying Tom Brady's going to regress, and he's like 50 now, and he's still great. But with all those playoff games and with having played so many minutes, I think 35 and with LeBron coming right out of high school, he has so many miles on him. I think it would be way too optimistic for me to say, hey, at 35, he's going to be able to play the very best basketball of his career. So this has nothing to do with last year. Last year, actually, because he only played 55 games, I think that he's going to come back with fresh legs and that may well that's what's easily keeping him in my top five. Yeah, I'm kind of conflicted. On one hand, age at 35 starting to become a factor, and he's coming off the first serious injury that made him miss several games in his career. But on the other hand, this will be the first time in nearly a decade he doesn't have the shortest rest possible because he's been in the finals for eight straight years, only having three, four months in between seasons. Now he's basically got, I mean, playing high-intensity basketball, what, 10 months? I mean, since that Christmas day, 10 months until the next season of playing high intensity, first time we've seen this from him having this extended period off in, in about a decade. So I'm kind of conflicted, RJ. Yeah, I, I, I see both sides of it. I'm still trying to drill in. Are we just saying a typical 35-year-old starts dropping off? Or are we saying we saw the signs of it last year? It seems like you refuse to answer that question. I'm accounting for LeBron's age by when I go ahead and do a projection here. This is really a blended rating. Regular se- between, oh, go ahead. between regular season and the playoffs. So, RJ, something's got to give. If LeBron plays all these minutes during the regular season, that's going to compromise him in the playoffs. All these minutes are what? If he had to play lots of minutes and lots of games during the regular season. But okay. he probably isn't going to have to. But we're speculating. I mean, yeah, now we're starting to go into if-thens. Right. How good is this guy? And what you're saying is you haven't seen any change on the court. I have not. Okay. But he's not number one because you just think that if somehow we found out he's lying about his age and he's really 38, it would just blow your mind then. Because apparently it's just that calendar that is all you're thinking of. just feels like LeBron is a superhuman player. I mean, and obviously superhuman, supers in quotes, as in he's not. He's a human, but he's the highest form athletically of a human, he's spending huge money on his upkeep. That makes me think he's not a typical 35. Chris Rock was uh, on Howard Stern years ago. This video's out there, and 
uh, Sulu was there, right? So the dude that played Sulu, who, and at the time, I think Sulu was like 78. And Chris Rock saw him and goes, that's a rich person, 78. <laughs> you know, you see people, you know, in, in, in less affluent areas, oftentimes, you know, and we've seen it in the past, even with no matter the, you know, economic position is, is 60 back in the Or look at Ali. Ali started dropping off. What was he when he fought? I think he was like 38 when Holmes just destroyed him. So with Spinks, he probably would have been, I mean, that was two years. I mean, I'm 35, 36. So, I mean, think about it. Leon Spinks beat the greatest when he was like 36. Today, 36, again, with boxers, especially heavyweights, is no problem at all. And I mean, we've seen it in so many other sports. So if, if anyone's going to be kind of the vanguard when it comes, you know, at the, the tip of the spear when it comes to this kind of slowing aging or on-court decline, I think LeBron's it. Now, the other hand, his minute count. Bill Simmons has talked about this. If you add up the playoffs, regular season, don't even count the Olympics. Also, those playoff minutes have even more impact, right? Yep, more intensity. And then, and then you add in the Olympics and all that, and, and he's not even doing that. I think he said, LeBron, there's only been two players in the history of the NBA that's had as many minutes. And I think it's Kareem and Malone from Utah. So on one hand, you could say he's as old as the hills. So I think splitting the difference isn't unfair. Because if he, if he does have a clear drop-off, he's still going to be top 10. You know, we're going to talk about, as we said, quiet later, but I asked you this question, and I gave you it ahead of time, so you should have a nice, clean answer. Is the upcoming season we're going to call 2020. Uh, it's, the, it's the year in which the title is decided. So this year was 19 in this example. All right. So he's going to play in 20. He's going to play in 21. So next season, season after. 22, three seasons from now. Where's LeBron on your list? 11 through 15. Wow, then then I think you've got him. Then he shouldn't be three. He should be one now. If you think mm. he's got in that third year out, he could still be only drop a. I don't think that's the way it works. I don't think he's going to go from three to six to nine to twelve. I think there's a cliff. Well, I mean, at least more than that. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I was more in the fifteen to twenty range, is what I was thinking. I was thinking top five player this year, maybe top ten next year, and then. I was thinking year three from now, that's where we could possibly see the drop where he goes from top 10 to maybe top 20. I think Brad's point about the, the extra rest and all that is, is vital because we, we haven't seen him with the benefit yeah. of that. So, Fez, just, just for reference sake, who's number 18? Oladipo, Indiana. So you're thinking like the way Oladipo is now, Brad, is where LeBron's going to be three years from now. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Blake, Blake Griffin, 20. Ooh, I don't think I would have said that. Okay, number two. Number two, James Harden. You know what? I know <laughs> that he pads his stats, but um, what he just did offensively, just a historic season, carrying the Rockets by himself on offense. I didn't want to put him this high. I did. Harden, number two. 
Yeah, I could see it. I mean, in the analytics, the advanced stuff that we've been incorporating here recently, the PR number two overall in the league, real plus minus number two overall in the league, James Harden. And he just did something that only one other player in the history of the NBA has done as far as scoring. And that's average 40 points per game during a 40-game stretch in the regular season. The only other guy... Wilt? Yeah, Will Chamberlain. So Jordan never did that. Jordan never did that. So, I I mean... So defense doesn't count. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Defense is... It's only half the game. (laughs) No big deal. A lot of these guys don't play as much defense as as they should. Well, that's your fault. Yeah. It's your list. Yeah, it's my list. You know, one thing Harden does, RJ, that I don't think he gets enough credit Uh for... Go ahead. I love the fact when he's behind the three-point line, he has perfected the ability to make threes, whether he's jumping forward, straight up, or backward. But that's all building. This is like Colin talking about how tall someone is or his strength. He's like, we're either going to look at the stats or we're going to look at him as a prospect. We're not going to microanalyze this move or that move. Well, he gets fouled so much and people say, well, you're why? Just pro- you're just proving that that you don't like your position here. That you're that that's like your third thing you're saying. Now, by the way, the PR does it consider defense? Yeah, I think it does. It does. You think you're it, quoting a stat? And you don't know if it does or doesn't. It does. It does. Ah, okay. Hmm. That seems very hard to believe. I mean, not th- that he's second on that list. It's back to that how much you have to define these lists because. I think Harden in the playoffs certainly isn't the second best player. I think that running that, at least in the current offense, right, which is one of your conditions, is it's Houston that he's on. I really think that Houston's repetitiveness is such a big disadvantage because with the databases now, they're not, once they get so many reps against you, that's one of the reasons that Kerr wouldn't, you know, everyone thinks it's because the small ball lineup would get banged on, and physically it would suffer. I think there's some truth to that. But he also didn't want to give the databases of the opponents a lot of reps to say, oh, look what they're doing in this spot, look what they're doing in this spot. So he's willing to say, we'll play a less efficient offense to be ready in the playoffs in game six, and you're not going to be ready for what we're doing. because we Houston's the opposite. They're optimizing every play during the regular season in their minds but it hurts him in the playoffs. Give yourself the dream music because you have nailed it. And what happened the last two years when they played Golden State? We all remember at home they lost game six and seven two years ago. And this past year, of course, they lose game five and game six. It's like playing Sinatra off. Yeah. I mean, how long were you going to go with that? I was getting there. I was you know, you know what's funny is when Fez feels sure yeah. about something, yeah. he he feels so good about it. He slows down. He says it three times. I agree. It was a good point. Thank you for pressing the button. Excellent point. It was weird that you pressed it on yourself, but all right, number one, number one. Let's go, Giannis Milwaukee. And remember, this is my list for the upcoming year. So Giannis, twenty four, he'll be twenty five. He plays defense. He plays. Really good offense. Yes, his outside shot could be improved slightly, but you add up both uh, factors and his ability to carry the team throughout the entire regular season with a limited load management because of his reduced age. Giannis, the MVP, is my number one pick. So when you say limited load management, you're using like two negatives saying he played a lot. He plays a lot. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just wanted to make sure. I mean, it could be some advanced term I never heard before. So, again, it feels like you ventured into giving a scouting report where I want to see the I want to understand the performance. So what is it on his performance? And I'm not questioning it. I just want to understand what you love the most. Yeah, well, he's averaged, I think, 28 points per game. Could Frankly, single-handedly, that Milwaukee offense was just tremendous, and they really didn't have much in the way of players. He set that team up. Remember, they were all bombing from threes, and they, teams tried to stop Giannis, felt they had to stop Giannis, and it opened everyone up, made Chris Middleton and everyone else on that team such a better player because of his presence. Okay, that's the top five. You've tweeted out, what, the, the, your whole list? Your top 30? No, just top five. You haven't... Have you posted this anywhere? No. I would do one more peer review and then pregame.com in the forums you'll post it. Fezzik at Fezzik Sports. If you disagree strongly, CC me at RJ in Vegas. And let's, you know, get some thoughts. <laughs> you know, I think it's all right. Who's not? Oh, curiously, who's six? Steph. Yeah, that, that'd be my six for sure. Who's seven? Paul George. Who's eight? Westbrook. Oh, God. <laughs> That sounds like we got a show in later July. Embiid <laughs> ninth, so we can have oh. a lot of talk. Or, or it could be quick, and you just like fold up your list and, and make it a paper airplane, <laughs> and send it out the door, perhaps. <laughs> All right, now let's shift gears, but not really because we are talking about all the action. Let's talk about Milwaukee next, since we just talked about Giannis. Wow, a lot of action. Lot. All right, Milwaukee, thumb uh, arrow up or down, Fez? Arrow down, two reasons for it. One's obvious, they lose Brogdon to Indy, so that's going to be a pretty big blow to their starting five. Another factor for them to be down, Miritich. He was kind of a key reserve, big man wing that could hit from three-point land. Miritich has decided, RJ, to play in the Spanish International League. He is gone from the NBA. Okay, Milwaukee down. And one of the things we're going to be talking about is understanding the salary cap, which, quite frankly, I don't. And I'm going to have to put some time in. I think it's so important. You, it gives you an idea. Like, is Milwaukee going to be able to make another signing? Do, you know, I don't know. Um, I tend to agree with you. Now, Pacers got one of those key Milwaukee players. A lot of people saying, oh, this is a sneaky team. What do you think? I don't think so. Um, I'm worried about Oladipo, when he's going to come back. Will he be 100%? It looks like he's going to miss the start of the season. So their best player, not going to start the season. Collinson, uh, their starting guard for them, he decided he's going to retire from the NBA. Completely unexpected. And they lost a key guy in Bogdanovich, who frankly was carrying the team um, until he um, went ahead and left. So um, some, some key losses for Indiana. Utah Jazz, another team... It feels cool to say, oh, the Jazz, they're better than you think. I've heard someone pretty respected say, if the Lakers don't get Kawhi, the Jazz should be favored in the West. Now, that's extreme, but if you got someone serious saying that, it can't be that wrong. Jazz. Yeah, big up arrow for the Jazz. Love what the Jazz did. They pick up point guard Conley. That's an upgrade over Rubio. I mentioned Indiana lost Bogdanovich. Well, he went to the Jazz, and the Jazz picked up a key reserve in Ed Davis. Jazz going to be very strong, in my opinion, this year. So who's the best Jazz player? Mitchell. Mitchell. And where's he at on your list? Just missed the top 30. 
There's a lot of people who just missed that top 30. <laughs> huh? So how could a team be like not have a top 30 player? But, I mean, where do you have the Jazz right now ranked in the NBA, Fez? You know, I've not finalized. Well, just do it off the top of your head. Top five. Okay, but they don't have a top 30 player. Well, but they got so much balance of really good well, starters. Well, obviously there's got to be, but how good can they be? Are they really good if they're not in the top 30? Yes. All right, that's interesting. Let me, I got the numbers for you. Oh, oh go ahead. Can I do real plus minus here? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so these are where they're ranked. It'll be a treat. In their position. <laughs> so 1 to 32, how good are they based upon real plus minus? Well, starting guard Mitchell is number six. Point guard Conley, number nine. Small forward Ingles, number five, and Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year, is the number four center. Kind of begs the question how none of them made your top 30. Well, the Gobert's like borderline top 30 guy. Oh, just, an- just another missed. one, another one. He's yeah. 30 to 40. So, bal- very ah. balanced team, Utah. Mitchell and may- maybe Gobert are in that 20 to 30 range. I mean, overall players, Mitchell, uh, PER, number 20 overall in the league. And real plus minus overall in the league, Mitchell eighteen. I got I think he probably should be in that twenty to thirty range. RJ, I'm gonna have to pay a fine. What happened? I lied. About what? Mitchell is actually number twenty five on my list. So you didn't write it down. <laughs> Amazingly, I wrote it down, but I misremembered and did not but, but, double but, check. But when you say, but you didn't even look at it. I didn't think I had to. There's the problem. Look at your sheet, man. It's right there in front of you. <laughs> but at least in a weird yeah. way, it's better. Yeah. I mean, it, better, it might... more entertaining. Yeah, at minimum. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my gosh, Fuzz. He needs a vacation. Hey. Now you were. Wait, you were just on vacation, right? Yes. And so next year you're planning a big one, I guess. <laughs> What's I... That's funny somehow. What was funny? I, I don't know what that means. I mean, because your next vacation would usually be the next year. But what? You got any news for the audience? No news. Really? I'm going to be out on vacation next week. I think you're all in the head. We're 10 hours from the fun park and you want to bail out. Well, I hope Wally World works out for you. <laughs> Doesn't even know what we're talking about. No, I do. Park's, oh. park's closed two weeks for repair. <laughs> all right. I swear to God, if you had to have a, a, a movie where there was a robot or a Martian that came from outer space and was trying to learn the ways of the Earthlings, he'd act, that Martian would act like Fezzik. <laughs> <laughs> like it would yep. only have enough memory for like six movies, yep. but it would incessantly quote those movies. <laughs> Think about it. No, yeah. I never quote Wally's World, though. I mean, the fact that you can quote it means it's only uh, one of, okay, yeah. you make a good point. I don't think you ever have. So that now your count goes from six to seven. Yes, diversity. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we keep moving here quickly about the Clippers. I think it's a real uh, something that needs studied because to me, you can look at the players on the Clippers, and it's hard to get too excited about the players as, oh, this is going to be a playoff team or an elite team. But they were a playoff team. The question is how? Was it luck? Or are we maybe not properly valuing the players? Or is it 2 plus 2 equals 5 where they're playing well together? We're going to have a lot of time to do that. I think it's good to just be honest. I don't. We've talked about it before the show, and I don't feel like we've got a great feel for that. 
Okay, so who's left here? Because we're going to finish the show strong. We've got Golden State talk. Okay. We've got Brooklyn talk. We've got Philadelphia talk. And we got best bets, two college football win totals, and an NFL win total, right, from you, Faz? Yep. Oh, last one before we get into the big boys. And what we're going to do in between the big boys is a little Knicks. We got some Stephen A. sound. <laughs> we got a guest on Straight Out of Vegas. And then we got to let you guys know about something you're going to hear a lot about in the years to come. And it is literally a curse. The Knicks are cursed by a guy named Rowan. That sounds scary. You'll find out. First, though, Saudics. Up arrow, down arrow, Steve Fezzik. I have a down arrow on the Celtics. Now, I get it. The chemistry is probably going to improve for the Celtics. Probably? It's going to improve, RJ. No doubt about it. But I can't get past, you know, when you look at the players they lost, it's just a bigger negative than the players they picked up. You lose Kyrie. You lose Rozier. You lose Al Horford. And by all accounts, Al is the type of guy everybody wants to play with. And you pick up Kemba Walker. I know you get. So are you saying Kemba Walker like with, with like almost like you're tasting poop? Well, <laughs> like like there's a little poop in your chewing gum. Kemba you Walker finally got to the center, the squishy center. Kemba Walker's a fine player. He's on par par with Kyrie. So cancel those two so out. On par with Kyrie. Yeah. Really? Oh, refer to your list if it, if you have one. Kyrie, number twelve. Mm-hmm. Kemba Walker, fifteen. Wow, that's. I get, you know, I'm not sure I disagree because if you add in intangibles. Yeah, I think that's fair. But Kyrie's slightly better, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, go ahead. And a nice pickup with Enos Cantor and with the Ramadan feast not occurring, hopefully, until playoff time. I haven't researched that yet. That'll be a nice pickup for the uh, Celtics. Would that really be part of the analysis? There's going to be six <laughs> games, maybe that you know. All right, I guess you're going deep, deep. It's like Avon Barksdale when he was going against. <laughs> he goes, "I'm going to go deep on this mother effer." That kind of scares you if, if Avon says it. All right, the Knicks, Stephen A. Brad, you've been talking about it. You just, I, I did Stephen A. show before I was limited. You know, not being on other networks now, Fox paid guy is it was great because he was Stephen A but he didn't know much about batting but he liked what I did so he would just say you know it was almost like next up Townsend State he'd just go down the schedule <laughs> then he's on his phone like tweeting Jay-Z or something <laughs> you know or, or, or uh, you know texting Jay-Z so I don't, I'm not sure how much of my stuff he heard but you know I've said this there's actually an article out in uh it's a trade publication, Daryl. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's that's safe. And uh, it's called mm-hmm, allaccess.com. And they did 10 questions with me. And lo and behold, I did uh, about five and a half pages of answers. I'm not sure how much they edited. But they just came out. I'll be tweeting it out. And his Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. <laughs> and I was taught, and, and, and to me, Stephen A. Oh, so I guess I thought of Stephen A. a little bit because I talked about his influence. And Brad, you know, what's been that influence, I think, for me is he's so bold, not even with his predictions or his takes, 
Because I think that's old school. Meaning if you say, oh, he's over the top, I think he really tries to get it right. He just says it in such a compelling way. And his performance. Oh, hey, my goodness. He takes a ton of chances. Yeah, His performance is as good as anybody. Look, I, I've been fam- obviously familiar with Stephen A. on the TV side. But right now, his radio show, I'm a big Colin fan and been so for 10 plus years. But right now, what Stephen A.'s doing on his radio show is some of the best I've ever heard. I agree. It's like, I think he had to, he wasn't, at least to me, he wasn't a radio guy. I won't even, I hardly ever watch First Take. I listen to his podcast almost every day. So, and and it's just some of his, you know, he's a pretty, listen, this is not, if you want the highest IQ stuff, I appreciate people give me a lot of credit in that regard. There's, there's all kind of hours of MIT lectures up right now on YouTube, right? It's fun. It's entertaining. That's the goal. And hopefully informative. But if you're only informative, it's going to be hard to compete against MIT lectures. I guess it's based on the topic. But certainly on national radio, you have to be more than that. Just informative. So speaking of it, the Knicks, the aftermath, let's just listen to Stephen A's reaction. $70 million in cap space. Porzink is gone. And we don't get KD and we don't get Kyrie. No way. This can't happen. This can't happen. But it happened. They can't get somebody to come to Madison Square Garden. But because Brooklyn's got Sean Marks and because Brooklyn's got Kenny Atkinson and because Brooklyn has Live Nation and they're Brooklyn. In three years, the Brooklyn Nets have accomplished what we've been waiting for the New York Knicks to pull off for a half century. <laughs> you got to love it, huh, Brad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not so sure that he's overreacting. Now, I will say this. I think it's fair to say the case could be made that, that maybe he was tipping a few. I felt like <laughs> almost like a webcam-esque kind of thing. I hear you, R.J. Bell. I hear you. No, I'm not <laughs> taking that as confirmation, but... <laughs> then, though... Because I do ESPN New York every Saturday, 11 to 12 Eastern, so an hour. I, I, you know, they pay me, but it's not enough. I've been complaining. Because <laughs> they actually had a new sponsor segment of mine. And Dave Rothenberg, who's the host of that show, said, RJ, you're going to be so excited. He goes, coming up next, you're going to be so excited. So I'm like, what could this be? It's a sponsor segment with me, RJ. And it's like, so yeah, Dave, you you're extra. yeah, you're telling me the station is making even more money off me is is what I'm supposed to be excited about. But they good guys at ESPN New York. Obviously, Stephen A. Reigns there, R E I G Reigns, and but Dave Rothenberg is an up and comer. We got 45 seconds of him on straight out of Vegas. We took Daryl clipped up the best of it. And this guy's a sober guy. No, I'm not talking tipping any back, but I mean, he's not an over-the-top guy. He's over the top here. There was no multi-layered plan. There was one plan. We're going to make an offer to Kevin Durant. We're going to hope Kyrie Irving comes along for the ride, and that's what's going to lead us into the promised land. They moved on from Kristaps Porzingis. I'm not saying he's a star, but he just got a crazy deal from a team that understands how the NBA works in the Mavericks, and the Knicks 
had no vision for him because they had a plan. Uh, it's almost comical. I almost feel embarrassed to tell you. I mean, Todd Gibson and Reggie Bullock and Wayne Ellington, Alfred Payton. This is what your 2019-2020 Knicks will look like. Good points, you got to say. Yep. Now, here's the question. Who's to blame? A lot of people might say the owner, Dolan. A lot of people, Bill Simmons again, I think makes a great point. It's one thing to strike out. Brad, you've gone to the bar night oh. after night. Yep. No, 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 yep. no, no. Yep. One day, I'd be you're facing. hoping there's going to be a yes. <laughs> and you keep trying. Now, <laughs> but if you say, hey, I'm going to go to jail for a month. I'm not sure about this analogy because I assume something. Wrong. But if you say, I'm never, I'm going to spend all my money. That's the one. I'm going to spend all my money tonight to try to get a yes tonight. But dinner and movie, whatever, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and then if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, you don't have any money left. Now that's a big strikeout because you not only aren't scoring that night, but you're also not in a position to score in the near future. Well, what did the Knicks do? They got all this salary cap cleared, ready to bring on the, 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 the superstars, and now they're spending that money on crappy players. Now, I get the eye, or let's just say they're overpaying. I think Randall's okay, but now you might say, oh, RJ, they're only two-year contracts. Yeah, but is it really going to be like a two-year we're waiting again for Giannis to jilt them? So if they would have... If they didn't clear that space, they let go. I mean, did they really get a good trade with the Mavs? No. I mean, unless you think, I get Porzingis and New York City did not mix. You want to talk about straight hip-hop. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is that he, where's he on your list, Vaz? Porzingis is off my top 30 because of the injury. Oh, that, but Hold on, he's due back. This- yeah, yeah, we'll have to see if he's going to be on. Oh, that, that's stupid. He doesn't need to be a hundred percent. So Porzingis healthy is where? Yeah, top twenty. <sighs> he's better than that. Top twenty? Yeah, he's like right around six. No, no, I know you can keep. I know how you can explain top twenty in different ways. I got that. You're not doing anything when you do that, are you? No. It's, it's like I think that that's, that album's the fifth best of all time. Really? Well, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth. That's not like in any way making the case. <laughs> oh, and then you could get out the paper and go, you had it. You could say, look, look, it's right there. Number five. Say, like, who made it? Oh, I did. Okay. Brad, do me a favor. Look up the PER of Porzingis. I'm going to be anxious to see this. But either way, not a good trade. The question is, who do you blame? Fez, who do you blame? I think I got to put the blame on Dolan and management of the Nixon. Wrong. Wrong. It's the curse of Rowan oh. <laughs> Alexander Barrett. Now, who's that, you may ask? It's curious that you need to ask that. R.J. Barrett. Okay. I thought it was kind of funny. I said this before. I'm going to say it. Hopefully not for long because this curse, I mean, he'll be out of the league, I think, soon. Rowan. But here's the reality. If you're going by the name RJ, I didn't know any RJs before I was RJ. I think the guy on 
the son on Breaking Bad was an RJ. So let's give him credit. I always saw that on the theme intro. I'm thinking, what's this dude's name? Because it just felt weird that all of a sudden this RJ pops up. And lo and behold, his first name's Rowan. Now listen, I get it. You don't want to use that. His middle name's Alexander. How in the heck is that RJ? <laughs> now, Daryl, who will, there's not a player he won't defend. You've got a theory on this one. I'm from the hood, so <laughs> most of the time when uh, you, when brothers use the the J behind it, they're junior. So it's the first name, right? And then just the J, whatever it Rowan is, Rowan Junior, RJ. That's how we do it, man. <laughs> Straight out <Ada>. of. <laughs> all right, I'm still thinking it's curious. All right, have you heard of that, Brad, on the farm? <laughs> no, hell no. How about growing up in Dayton, Fez? Never heard it. <laughs> All right. So I'm not saying he doesn't have a right to. I'm saying I think it's going to cause a curse. We'll see. just seems weird that all of a sudden this happens when Rowan shows up. How many Twitter followers do you have? Uh, a little less than 200. Okay. Yeah. He's still under you. Now, see, that's yeah. absurd. Yeah. So that goes to show you there's a curse. He's a rook, though. Oh, come on. He was the, number, he was the number one pick or, or one of the – Yeah, actually, he, he was the number one high The number school one player. high school player. That don't mean that, no. That's kind of stalking a high school dude, though, if you think. I mean, oh, a lot of these guys have a lot of followers. I mean, he's not mellow, though. I mean, like, LaMelo Ball had a gang of – he has way more followers than this, but he might not be that type of dude, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's the type of dude to appropriate a name improperly. I'll tell you that much. He's a Canadian, too, though. <laughs> he's a Canadian. Yeah. So he's using. So how does the whole this is the way we do it in the hood connect? Hey, man, black people are black people everywhere, man. So RJ goes RJ. And, he, and to his credit, on his Twitter, up top, he does have Rowan Barrett Jr. up top. So he's even avoiding even having his middle name. That omission, <laughs> listen, that omission is a sign of guilt. No, I can't say. You that. know what? I'm gonna listen. Sleepy, put pregame research on. I want to see his the social social economic uh, level that Rowan was at growing up. Because I'll be honest with you, is if it was if he was straight hip hop, then I'm gonna have to say, you know, I might have to spin this a little differently. Not go at him that hard. Still, Rowan is what he'll be called on this show. I don't think it was. It was. It was higher middle class, at least. Well, yeah. th if that's yeah. the case, then all bets are off, Come baby. Come on, man. His pops played with Steve Nash, though. So oh, well, that, a, well, then I'm yeah. guessing he wasn't in the hood. <laughs> I don't know. Steve Nash is pretty hood if you really sit down uh, and talk oh, to well, him. then we've got a different definition of hood. <laughs> <laughs> then Fezzik might be hood. <laughs> no, the, the, no, no. The way he screws over. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, they say it's hardcore. All right. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting odyssey before he's out of the league here in six months. No, I, I bet he'll be, listen, he'll be in the league probably two and a half years. Just won't, you know, no one will be talking about it. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. 
What's left? The biggest teams, the biggest changes, and best bets. Now, we got to get something on the record first. Steve Fezzik, I'm RJ Bell. Brad Powers. Very hood. Fez, I heard a rumor that you actually had multiple people coaching you up for the for this confrontation. I cannot deny that. So you feeling good? No. <laughs> I never feel good blame the coaches, before though? a debate with you, RJ, especially when I don't have a significant take one way or the other. Whoa, 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 whoa. Talk about the tightrope. <laughs> So how could you, like, you're defeating yourself before you even start. Exactly. So why do it? Just being honest. Yeah, three days. I mean, you just happened two hours ago. You do realize these were no forced takes. This is horrible. You can't do that, Fez. Come on, defend (laughs) yourself, man. Last week, you or the week before, you and Maddie were here. And let's start there, Brooklyn. Here's the question. And there's two questions, but one we're going to... I guess the baby sounds like not. It sounds like you've already submitted. It'd be almost like walking in the ring. There's the intro song and Fezzik just throws in the <laughs> towel and walks out. Says, I got a rub down in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon, <laughs> Arnold Scolan's going to get my neck loosened. <laughs> now that's funny. That's, there's very few opportunities to play this one, but, uh, we finally have one. He's going all the way up. Look, I up 20 feet in the air. Maybe 25. Look, like 25 feet up in the air. Release! Oh! Boy, did Madison Square Garden pop there. Yeah, it did. Well, I remember that. I watched that on the USA Network. Backland Snook at Cage. First Vince time man on the call. Yeah, oh yeah. First time you ever and Arnold Arnold Skoland, Bob Backlund's manager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Bring it back to Fez. Fez, I gave you time to think. Now, I'm confused. You're the one that was so out front with this Brooklyn. So to act like you don't have a strong take, you're meaning once you've debated me on this on air, you've realized the error of your ways. Correct. All right. So then let's save it, because I'll there'll be enough debates I'll beat you up on. Give us what your initial thoughts were with the caveat that you've now seen the error of your ways per R.J. Bowne. My initial thoughts that with Kevin Durant healthy and with Kyrie, that Brooklyn would be a top pick, the top pick, if the Lakers so don't pay, get— So first of all, you're using horrible like, Pick. What's pick? No one's making a pick. Someone's a favorite or they're Brooklyn not. Brooklyn would be the favorite to win the title. This assumes the Lakers don't get Kawhi Leonard. Okay, so people might say, how would Katie just become healthy? But that's the thing, is we're saying next year we don't know who's going to be on what team. We're saying this signing, the theory is next year they're going to have a healthy, or maybe or not, KD, and they're going to have Kyrie, the glue guy, as Fez calls him, and <laughs> it's all for his defense. And he goes, yeah, I think that team's the best team in the NBA. Now, the caveat with the Lakers was, well, if they get... Because at the time, Kawhi going to the Lakers, this has been two weeks, I guess, we weren't as certain of... I guess it was just last week, but we weren't as certain of it. 
Not that we're starting now, but it was more of a long shot, I guess. Correct. To say. Eight to one. He's not correcting me. He's got something he can agree with. Yes, correct. I'm the arbiter. And I wondered how good that team would be. Like, how excited should Brooklyn be? Some call him New Jersey. You know, call him Brooklyn. At least half the time. And <laughs> so your thought was the best team. What's made you back off that? I think it's way too optimistic to assume that KD is going to suddenly make this team, Brooklyn team, 10 wins better, which is basically what they'd have so to really, be. really, you're just repeating that you were wrong. Like you, you, It's like saying, so why did you decide or why did you change your mind about that movie? Because the amount that I liked the movie changed. Like you're just repeating saying that th- this addition isn't as big as you thought. Why? Because... KD coming back fully from an Achilles injury. Let's assume he's 100%. And he's playing at the level he was this past yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. Then I'll stand by it. So this all is coming down to the, 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 the questions about KD's health? Yes. Okay, so KD would be where on your list? Number one. Okay. So Kyrie, where he's 12, you said? Yes. Okay. So 1 and 12 equals 13. LeBron... Is what? Number three. AD? Five. That's eight. So would we agree the top two are better for the Lakers? Yes. Okay. It was, somehow he actually made it not painful to answer a simple question. Congrats. Now, so where's the Nets better? Depth. Depth. So we did this study. They didn't have one above average player this year. Not a one. Okay. Yeah, Kuzma's going to be better at three than anything the Nets have, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And who do you think is going to be more in a position to add free agents or, you know, mid-level exemptions? All the little NBA things that very few people understand. Lakers already had a signing. What was it? Dudley, did I say? Yeah, from the Nets. Who was one of their glue guys Uh if he watched the playoffs. So, um, help me understand. Well, Brooklyn won 42 games. Mm-hmm. These guys all worked very, very well together. But except the whole fundamentals of that are changing. Russell gone, Kyrie in, Durant in. So are we saying that these players just are going to always overperform in any situation? We don't know that. Okay. Yeah, Ned Davis lost, went to the Jazz. He was one of their better players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ned Davis, one of the few guys that the advanced stats actually liked a lot. Yep. So when you said they liked a lot, how how... What was the stat that they, I mean, give me an example of the stats like in him. Uh, his player efficiency rating was 17, 15 as an average player. So he's an above average so, star- starter, even though he didn't start. His PR per minute was quite strong. You said it was 17? Yes. 15's average, right? Yeah, this is PER, so it's efficiency rating where oh, higher numbers Oh, numbers. okay, yeah. PER, I thought you were talking about real. Okay. Right. So literally a smidge above average. Yes. And that's the, but he's gone. Yes. And none of the other guys are even that. Their center, Allen, is, is 19 PER. So their center actually had really a really good PER number. Okay. So you still def- – I mean, I'm, I'm kind of letting you off the hook if you just say, you know, even if he's 100%, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But, you know, that's got to be up to you saying it. But if you think it does, just – I'm not hearing the case. I guess the case is – that a team Kyrie Irving's on is going to play above their ability. 
Yes, and I, <laughs> I, I think with Kyrie, they should win 45 games. No, no, no. We're changing the subject mm. now. I'm not asking how many games they're going to win this year. We're trying to say in this hypothetical. Kyrie has had locker room problems in the past, and that could continue with Brooklyn. You're right. So what's your case? It, it, it is that a Kyrie, not led team in this hypothetical, but a team that Kyrie's one of the key players on is going to overperform because he's going to, or the team itself will have such great intangibles. I think that Kyrie was so successful with LeBron that... So successful that they won a title and he forced himself out of town. Yes, but... That's what you're calling successful. Well, he was successful with one superstar, uh, (laughs) and I could see him being very successful (laughs) with the superstar. It's okay to lose, Baz. How did he do with your coaching? What part of this was I'm the coaching? I'm throwing co- in the towel. I mean, <laughs> what, what part of this was the coaching? I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to coach him on the next one. I'm actually All right. the Philly debate. Uh, oh, so hopefully that goes better. The Brooklyn Dodgers, you should say, wait till next year. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to Philadelphia. Now, let me ask you a question. What can I do that maximizes your chances here? You want to go first? You want to go last? You want... How's this sound? I'm going to let you go first, and I'm going to turn my mic off. I've never done this before. Wow. I mean, and literally, you can say, RJ, you can turn your mic back on, and you won't hear a word from me till then. And Brad, you can, Andre the Giant style, I'm off mic. All right, Philly, I don't think they got better. They may have gotten slightly worse with their changes. Let me make my case. I'm awfully worried about the guys Philly lost. Reddick, yeah, he's 35, but he's the three-point bomber. Let's face it, what's the book on Philly? Too much um, guys that can't shoot, and Reddick was critically important. Did he just say too much guys that can't shoot? Yeah. Simmons can't shoot. You need that. You need those three-point shooters to open up the lane for him. And take a look at Jimmy Butler. You know, during the playoffs, he was the alpha guy on offense. He was the one that they ran their offense through critically important in the playoffs. So I have major concerns about the offense. Now there's no question that the pickups they got getting Al Horford, a really good locker room guy, a really good defender is going to improve this team. And Josh Richardson is a very solid pickup as well. He's probably almost as good as Jimmy Butler. So the bottom line is I am concerned with Embiid, with Horford. Does this team just have enough outside shooting to be successful? I have Philly just a slightly worse team. Okay. You almost had a good argument, then you hung yourself. Ugh. And it, <laughs> let's assume you're correct. And I'm going to let you, you know, you guide the way here, Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell. Josh Richardson is almost as good as Jimmy Butler. That's your quote, correct? Yes. Okay. So let's say that the difference between almost is not clearly defined, but it's not huge. Now let's talk about the moves other than. Butler leaving and Richardson coming in. So add them up. So Tobias Harris is still there, so that's no change. Simmons is still there. Embiid's still there. So whatever issues you have with Embiid or Simmons, or whatever, it, it, it's a wash a year to year. And if anything, there's a little upside. Simmons 
could improve his shot. We've all been waiting. But also there's this idea that, hey, Embiid's a year older, 25 to 26 or whatever, shouldn't change things. But when you're that injury prone, maybe it does. So let's call it a wash. Is that fair? Yes. All right. So what's left? I mean, the big moves here would be Horford and Raddick. Are you really, could you possibly make the case that Raddick's more valuable than Horford? No, I'd rather have Horford. By more than a little. Yes. So it sounds like we've got two deltas here. Is a little minus, right? A little minus from Butler to Richardson. And a a bigger plus from Al Horford replacing Raddick. Yes. Continue then. That sounds like an upgrade. Well, and it's a big upgrade on defense. Good I'm, point. Ju- I'm just concerned. I agree. <laughs> I'm just concerned offensively. You get Horford on the court. So you have better players. Wait, better players overall, but you get Horford. Oh, so, do you, so we've you now get, got that established, and you judge. Get, and you get Embiid, and all of a sudden, where's the scoring going to come from? And I think a key area is Tobias Harris. Is he going to be able to step up and do more on offense? He wasn't in the last playoffs. Can he grow if he does? No, 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 no. We don't have to have a... Bu- I mean, how old is Harris? Young. Okay. So you would expect... 26. Him, let's assume he's going to progress like a typical 26 to 27-year-old. Though you do make an interesting point. Like we talked about Steph Curry, when he didn't have the opportunity to be the alpha, he could do it, but he played a different game. Tobias Harris, a max guy, he did not play like a max guy, or he didn't, let's say, perform like a max guy. It might, you know, how much of it was he's just not a max guy? Well, if he's not, why did Philly give it to him? Meaning they would have to make a major mistake. I'm not sure they did. But number two, it could be opportunity that this guy's going to get it almost like we saw with the Celtics. Maybe exactly like we saw. Not the prior year, but the year before. When the young guys got a chance, they performed. Feels like Harris is going to perform better just because he has more opportunity. You know, I, that's a really great point. And bottom line is he's the wild card in all this. It's easy to say, oh, he's no. I be- don't think he is. I'm saying even if he plays exactly the same, by your own admission, the players on Philadelphia is better this year than last year. Yes. Okay. So, Brad, is this how you coached him up? It is not. I'm worried about how those players <laughs> He really players hung himself. His own words got you. <laughs> See, he keeps you talking. You saying Richardson's not that much different than Jimmy but, Butler. But, but, but again, all it, would, it just saved us the time of me bringing – that would have yeah. been my first point. Ugh. 25 years old. Good outside shooter and yes. a great contract, by the way, which sets him up to make other moves next year. But I'm not sure that's in this debate. And a great attitude. And that, that's, the, that's the book on Richardson. So intangible, forget just on the court, they're better players. There's better intangible. Yeah, and that's why I said Jimmy Butler's only a little bit better because I'm, by all, I mean, problems no, in Chicago, problems now, in Minnesota. Let, let's acknowledge, so really the crux of your argument is that the better players are going to play worse. Now that sounds crazy, except I could almost argue that point. I, I'm not sure I'd take it on with my current winning streak. But the theory is, hey, Two plus two can equal five. Sometimes two plus two can equal three point uh, five. I guess a little less than four. And the theory being, if you are deficient in the NBA at outside shooting, that is a big negative in today's NBA. And it's possible this team is going to be deficient with outside shooting. Exactly, and that's why Reddick, <laughs> who's not that good, was really critically important to Philadelphia. Or an outside shooter, similar. Now again. 
We know that Richardson's got a good outside shot. Now, do you want to rely that much on one guy? But part of debating teams today is saying, do they have room to make any other moves? And obviously not big names, but it seems like the spot-up shooters, especially if you've got enough defense, and here's the key. Steph Curry's not a great defender. No. But they build a team around his defensive deficiencies. It strikes me that this Philly team is strong on defense. Very strong. And in fact, 538 just projected them with the current lineup to be, I've got the number here, plus 5.1 points better than an average team on defense. That's really good. Yes. I don't, that sounds good. It's a plus number. Where does it, is it highly ranked? Well, if you think, yeah, if you think, I don't have the ranking, RJ, but That's think right. about Milwaukee. They had a nine point, point per game differential. That was number one in the league. So if you divide that by half, offense, defense, four and a half would be elite. Okay. And most analysts have concluded that Philly, if not the best, is going to be easily a top five defense. So if they get a guy that might be fairly cheap because he can shoot, but he can't defend, they can probably stand him to be doing 18 minutes a game because their defense is so good. I hear Kyle Korver is available. Yeah, you know, there you go. That's a good point. And that's one of the two, three teams. That's yeah, so, if, so I guess when we're predicting now, we got to look at salary cap, got to look at how it tra- – obviously, if we were just looking at the Lakers or the – you know, Lakers especially, they don't have a team yet. But the theory is, what do we project from here? Forgetting Kawhi, which is obviously a different story. So, Brad, I mean, we could, I could keep drilling at home. Yeah. What, you want to throw in the towel? Yeah. Victory! Since I already lost, mm-hmm. may as well hang myself some more. You know, Tobias Harris was a really good player for the Clippers. He wasn't as good when he moved over to came to Philadelphia, what, in February? Mm-hmm. He didn't play that long. He's only 26. Yep. Now that Jimmy Butler's out of the way... Yep. I saying Tobias Harris is the same player and that's equal. I think we gotta expect him to be better, right? Oh, oh, Sleepy Jay's interjecting. Get Uh-oh. on mic, Sleep. Oh my God, I don't think he's helping you here. Go ahead, Philly in the house. <laughs> Go ahead. Philadelphia also lost a couple players off their bench. I think they'll probably have one of the weaker benches now. T.J. McConnell's gone. Boban's gone. Wilson Chandler. Landry Schmidt. So they lost four guys that were he said solid bench Schmitt. guys for themselves. But, I mean, that's the question. This is what we got to figure in the NBA. For a seventh man, an eighth man, whatever these guys were, just because we know their name, like, you know, I think that's what happens, right? You know the name of a... Uh, a backup player, if, you, if you're uh, a fan of the team, the question is, are they any better than, you know, replacement level? I don't, you know, I don't, I'll be honest, the ninth guy on Philly, I don't have a great feel for. Yeah, and I, I'm getting tired. I mean, it's the postseason. When are we ever talking about bench? I've heard Colin talk about, well, the Lakers might have the worst bench in the NBA. Who cares if you got one of the best starting fives? And right now, even this year, Philly's arguably a top two, three starting five on the floor. Now, because Fez made that less painful to me, the pain of extracting the obvious truth is the tough things in these debates, not winning. But what I, <laughs> what I will say is this: you made an interesting point about Butler. Whatever Butler's standing was, it went up in the playoffs. Ben Simmons, he doesn't have an outside shot, but he's not a great ball handler, like bringing the ball up the court. And Butler was taking on some of that low, like you said bringing up the court, but also maybe more specifically running the offense through him. Well, you might say, well, what's Simmons' point then? 
you make a pass, and now that guy's ready to make a pass, almost, I guess, like a, uh, what was that called? The single wing in football? Like the single wing type kind of thing? Is Simmons, they, they had Butler doing it because in certain defensive scenarios, he was struggling doing it. Who is that alternative if Simmons doesn't grow in that way? And it's really not about his shot. So in a weird way, you could say Simmons, if he starts shooting better, who knows? He would be a top 10 player. Oh, yeah. But that's a, if that, you know, one of these hypotheticals. But if he doesn't get better handling the ball and they don't find someone else that can in the right, in those spots like Butler did, problem, probably only in the playoffs. So you didn't bring it up, though, so it's really not pertinent to this conversation. <laughs> but I wanted to share with the audience. Yes. Because I think about what the other person's going to say. And I could counteract that, but I'm not going to. Because I want you to feel good, Steve. I don't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Daryl, are you going to keep prepping Fez or have you given up on him? I have nothing to say to Fez right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Golden State. You know, this one will keep. It's our last uh, team, right? Yeah. And then we're going to do our best bats. Fez, I'll tell you this. You were wrong. It's almost like when <laughs> initially Fez is like, this Golden State team. You thought they were what, like the fifth best team, the one that was on the floor at the end of game six? Yes. We debated, and then at the end of that, you said? Said, no way can that be possible. And you had them where? Tenth. Tenth. And then some moves have been made. I'm super impressed. I think Golden State is now underrated. Do you agree with me or disagree? I agree with you. All right. Well, then you're probably right here. So you lead the way. (laughs) You agree with me? Therefore, you're probably right. <laughs> well, just a couple weeks ago, we talked about, well, what does Golden State have? Well, they got Steph and they got Draymond. Who knows if he's going to be going to Krispy Kreme all during the offseason and is even going to be, you know, any type of a elite player in any stretch of the imagination. It looked like a woefully weak top 10 team in terms of their top two, and they had nothing past those two guys. Well, now, all of a sudden, they got four guys. They pick up Russell, and by all accounts, you know, here's an all-star and a guy that they can pair with Steph, maybe some defensive liability, but offensively, that's going to be a huge pickup. And they signed their center, Looney, that we thought they were going to lose him. Somehow, they're only paying him $5 million a year, and this is a guy, the advanced analytics guys, Love. Top 10, real plus minus center in the league. Only 23. Yes, he came out of the developmental league. He's developing nicely with Looney. Now we got four players that we can talk about and be serious about being solid players for Golden State. I agree with that. Where's Looney in your top 30? Oh, nowhere close. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I didn't know with Van Vliet. Yeah. Where's yeah. Van Vliet? Van Vliet is out of my top 30 forever. <laughs> it's funny he was 26 for all these years he had the best run of his career and now he's out hmm. what happened any comment Fez no comment kids stealing Woo! wheeling dealing limousine run jet flag son of a gun is that you Fez or is that it's the nature boy <laughs> <laughs> did you think I thought that was you talking Jeez. the ego of this guy <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if it was Van Vliet or you that was the kiss dealing, wheeling dealing, jet flying, limo riding, son of a gun. <clears throat> He's, he, 
Remember when you looked at your grandfather and you just kind of nodded and <laughs> said, yeah, the soup's okay. The soup's okay. Wow. <laughs> Listen, we all have bad days. I certainly do. I think that I don't understand why Golden State isn't loved. I guess you just can't nowadays be a winner unless it's, I guess, a USA team like in basketball. Which dominant team has been loved? Because the dominant team is beating up yeah. your team most of the time. Right? Patriots, not loved. Cubs, you know, I guess Red Sox. I mean, whoever's been, I guess there hasn't really been a dominant baseball team. This this team was in a bad spot to the point I was saying Golden State might, maybe should, could give up on the season. Don't really run Curry into the ground playing him 38 minutes and we saw he had trouble in the playoffs sustaining that at his age. Then you take it all out of him next year. Then the next year when you have a chance. Now they got the best player that was left at the time, Russell. A player that who knows? He's 23. How's he going to an all-star? Max contract. Probably warranted in today's NBA. Sleepy's actually doing some research on all the max contracts. We're going to just see where the bar is right now. We'll have that probably next week. Clay, I thought, oh, maybe next year's playoffs. Colin's been so much more optimistic. Now we're hearing reports Colin was probably more on target. Yeah, right after the surgery, and this happened the, the, this week as we're taping this. Uh, July 2nd was the surgery for Clay Thompson. They said in the article five to seven months was the expected recovery time. More likely seven than five months. But if it's seven months, that's putting Clay returning at the All-Star break. Forget coming back during the playoffs. All-Star break that Clay Thompson's back. Which is right around the trade deadline. Yep. So now what's the scenarios, right? I mean, I guess in theory there could be extreme cases. But in the likely, the fat part of the, the bowel curve is the idea that he's going to do about what you'd expect what he did last year, but he's a year older, so a little better. But now you're in that elite Golden State offense. Schematically, probably does better. But even if he does in that normal range, the question is, how is he going to fit with Clay? doesn't seem obvious now, but none of us are Steve Kerr. Worst case, it's almost like you buy the house, you give it a good scrub, new carpet, and now you sell it, flip it. Mm. I can't imagine they get less back than they gave up. Yep. Right? Which they gave up nothing, correct? Because, I mean, they're they're having to pay the contract. So this is an asset they got for the price of the contract. Because I think that's how they did the trade, right? And that doesn't matter as much as they got them for just the cost to pay them. And then you, you do. I think Looney, the whole thing's overdone. It's so funny where you say, well, I don't know how good of a coach church, you know, Churches because, you know, I've only got 100 games of him as a head coach and took him to the finals and won. But somehow Looney, you, you know how good he is. Yeah, I saw Looney play well for in 15 playoff games. But Nick Nurse, 100 but, games, not enough. Yeah, so, but that said, the five, what I know is, when I read up on Looney, when you started talking about him, that's what I tend to do, is the Warriors love him. Love him. And this is a team that knows winners. And the fact they got him for five sticks, I mean, that seemed... What is up with that? I don't know. I guess he figures, hey, 15's a lot. I want to stay here. Right? I mean, how you know, can you buy happiness? No, you can't. I mean, you've tried, Fez. 
Can't can't happen. <laughs> I can buy a lot of things. <laughs> I'm already a multi-millionaire. It doesn't work, does it, yeah. Fast? Nope. Can you buy love? I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Yet to be determined. All right. Any closing thoughts on Golden State? All right. RJ undefeated. It's best bet time, I think, right? Is there anything else? Oh, I do got one thing. I'm going to make this quick. This Curry thing, you know, Colin's been talking a lot about that it's not about teams anymore. You know, mobility, and it's about players. And I can see that, right? You're follow, you don't follow a team on Instagram. I mean, you could, but you're following a player. But how many, you know, I've always said, how many players are that charismatic, that good that a kid's going to like? So now, what, there's going to be eight players, 15 players people follow? I mean, when you go down your list, Faz, you hit 15 or so, I can't imagine, you know, read 16 through 20. <laughs> Number 16, Donkish. Uh, 17, Simmons. 18, Oladipo. Uh, 19, Towns. 20, Griffin. Yeah. So to me, you know, Towns at this point, I don't, I don't see a lot of jerseys. Mm-mm. You know, Oladipo. Doesn't mean they're not good players. And then if you get past that, so there'll be, less, on average, less than one person a team that's truly like I could see my boy following this guy, you know. My eight-year-old, ten-year-old, twelve-year-old kid, all through his career. All right, but if that's going to be the case, man, you're going to want these guys to be good guys. And I get it from a distance; you don't know. But I look at Clay. I told you it was, you know, obviously Clay was as classy of a uh, athlete as I've seen. I don't know him personally, but as far as I can see, and then you look at Curry. I always was skeptical of him with the kid on his. Lap and it felt like a PR moment to me that was really engineered, but it worked. And I'm not sure it was engineered. But this idea and the reports out there that he was in Shanghai, it's one thing to come from, hey, uh, you want to come over and you know, say goodbye to your teammate? Well, listen, I'm on the west side. I'm over by, uh, <laughs> I'm over by the Village Movie Theaters. It's 25 July minutes. July 4th weekend yeah. traffic. Yeah, and, 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 and literally... <laughs> He's coming from Shanghai to land in New York. And I got the private jet and all that. It's still a big effort. Now, we could say, oh, that's a show, too. Well, f- everything's a show to some degree, right? When you do buy your wife the gift, is it some crushing need in your soul to buy the gift? Come on. So this is a good team when it comes to their leaders. And then there's Mr. Durant. Now, this is a story that was in The Undefeated, and this was a story that Mark Spears wrote. Now, Mark actually was on a pregame podcast years ago. It's always seemed nice to me, not to me personally, but from my perspective. This is crazy, in my opinion, and I think I know why. And think about the following concept as we go through this couple quotes. One, I don't know if Daryl wants to defend this one, but he tends to want to defend players. So we'll let him in when I'm done. Access for bias, for favorable, however you want to describe getting the, 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 the friends and family treatment is oftentimes what the access is about. And that's what they do. The PR agent will go to 
you know, Vanity Fair and say, we're going to give one cover interview, but you can't ask these six things, blah, blah, blah. And no, they won't burn that PR agent because usually if it's a big name, they're going to have a PR agent that has a bunch of other clients too. So they make the deal and, you know, whoever put this story out, they probably shopped it and, or they had their guy that they know will give them favorable. But I get it. I get it. You know, why I do think you should say, hey, this is coming from this perspective. There could be, but this is absurd. So the theory of the article is, that Durant was treated very, very, very poorly by the Warriors. And one of the, the, the person who's kind of the main name quote here is Perkins. What's his first name? Kendrick. Kendrick, that's right. So the first thing is when Curry was on the free throw line, they would chant MVP, but it wasn't until just this playoffs that they did for Durant. So it wasn't that they're not doing it now, it's they didn't do it soon enough. Okay. And then it says, and this is Perkins now, quote, that Durant had one foot out the door, close quote, this past season because the Warriors made him feel unappreciated. Now, I don't know if that foot was the one he hurt that was out the door, but Lordy B, you're getting paid 30 plus mil and you're being treated so badly you have one foot out the door. Okay, well, what's this treatment? So this is a source close to Durant said. All that mistreatment showed a lack of respect for one of the greatest players to put that uniform on. And the fact that he took all of that abuse and still put his career on the line to help them win. Abuse. abuse. That's a strong word. Now... Here's another quote. Now, this is the actual author here saying Durant had finally become a hero in the Bay Area after putting his career and 200 million on the line playing with an injury. The Warriors celebrated him with rally towels during game six with his initials KD on it. But perhaps this is the writer now. If he had been treated like a hero every second he was playing for the franchise, he would have rallied around the idea of staying longer. Just staying longer. Forget, like, uh, you know, it could be where he finished his career. Hey, maybe I'll give you another year if you just treated me like a hero every second. And then at the end, it's, hey, finding championship success in Brooklyn is far from guaranteed. But the Nets are showing they are committed to him, signing him to a max contract despite the fact his Achilles injury will likely cause him to miss all of next season. Okay. So I wonder what Golden State offered him. An that would have showed. Year. Say it again. They, Brooklyn can only offer him four years. Yeah. Golden State offer him more money and an extra year. Yep. So that, in theory, would show even more commitment. Yes. And he risked 200 million but the worst thing that probably could have happened happened and he still made it i mean this is like who i don't even think they're doing durant any favor meaning i always found my critics when they were so over the top they never would give me credit for anything it actually disarmed them because if they just were honest there were things are things you could debate you could say what about this oh is the radio show too you know 
broad. It's like, well, here's what we're thinking, but I could see reasonable people disagreeing. But when they say horrible things so extreme, it makes you just not believe anything they say. Same thing here. When there's nothing but over-the-top positive, it makes you – the whole thing gets, I think, dampened, the effect of it. So, Daryl, we always give you a chance. Now, he's, he's going to the mic slow. He's not anxious for this one. No, it's not even about a debate. I mean, it's just about knowing the history of what this guy's brought to this team. I mean, knowing that he's brought two finals MVPs to this team, knowing that this year how he was treated in the media, how media was saying how he was already gone. It was all this stuff going on already, so there wasn't an appreciation for him. So now, like, when you you try to call him out, and you try to say, oh, he doesn't have heart. He doesn't want to play. This was coming during this playoffs. Oh, he's not this. He's not that. The guy goes out there, and now everybody wants to be sympathetic. It's too late. Okay. The part I agree with is if the stories are true that the Warriors were saying, hey, he's slow to come back here, then I could see that as something. Because if you don't think it's true as the player – then that is really cutting at the heart, no pun intended, of you know what makes a great player is when it's going to play in the tough spots. So that I can see. The idea that the media, though, Daryl, how, how would the Warriors – I mean, it's not like the Warriors run media, right? It's the, usually the national media. But it wasn't necessarily the Warriors. It didn't, it didn't just say the Warriors. It just said he was treated unfairly. No, but I think the premise of the article is the reason he left Golden State was the unfair – the abuse he got. In for, its totality. Yeah, but why would he blame Golden State any more than any other team if it's not – Relate, And I guess that's the ultimate question. Is Durant being treated unfairly in certain situations? I think that's not crazy to say. The idea that Golden State treated him, you know, to the level rising to the word abuse seems absurd to me. But, you know, that's interesting. But in a weird way, what can, you know, these athletes never have any comeuppance. It's like the, the most beautiful girl in the city as long as that's the case, no one's going to call her on very much, right? So mm-hmm. I have sympathy, in, not sympathy, but I am open to that. The only, I'll tell you this, I've never learned a hard lesson I chose to learn, meaning hard lessons by definition are forced upon you, right? Not many people say, if I go this direction, it's going to be a lot of pain, but I think I might learn something at the end. Most people don't do that. If I could have a charm life and never have any hardship, give it to me. I'm fine. I might be a little less wise, but I'm going to be blissfully ignorant of all that. <laughs> so Durant's obviously a great player. He's obviously had things his way for a long, long time. And I think the more th- this player empowerment, there does seem to be another side to it here. And to wrap it all up, if the players are going to be carrying the beacon, if they're the ones in the NBA especially, it's not the jerseys, it's not the team, but it's the player. Wow. If they are as entitled as it feels here, might be problematic for the league. Any closing thoughts? Best bets? Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. 
All right, let's go to college football. Season win total here uh, for you guys. Quick cross-promotion in the pregame.com forums. I posted an article. My most improved teams in the country for college football entering this upcoming season. This is one of those teams. If you read that article, we're taking UCLA over five and a half wins. This is my second most improved team in the country. But let's go back to last year. That's when I started to see the improvement on this team. Coached by Chip Kelly last year. Abysmal start. You want to talk about four starts. How about this for UCLA? They start 0-5 for the first time since 1943. But after that, in his first year, when they started to learn the offense, UCLA was pretty much an average team a year ago. Offensively, I get it. A lot of There's this narrative out here. Oh, the game has passed. Not maybe passed Chip Kelly by, but caught up. The rest of college football has caught up to Chip Kelly's offense. Well, I can tell you this. In the last four games of last year, USC, Stanford, Oregon, Arizona State, they didn't catch up to UCLA's offense. The Bruins averaged nearly 500 yards per game. It was a banged-up team a year ago. 19 returning starters coming back. That's more than any other team in the country. I'm taking UCLA over five and a half wins. You weren't going along. It was funny, though. <laughs> you know something? It's the same thing they're saying about Golden State, though. It's not so much teams catch up or can replicate. It's just it's not shockingly different. Yeah. And you, do you think that's the case? Well, I think that's d- definitely fair. But I, I also think Chip Kelly, from my understanding, and I don't know him personally, but from what everything I've read is he's a big-time grinder, and he's always trying to learn different yeah, yeah. things. He's but, a guy that's sitting a, in a, It's that quantum leap that where you've got a truly revolutionary scheme is where the real hay is made. Yes. So, But I, in general, love the pick because here's why. In general, if you have a quirky offense, fade him the first half of their first year. You were on that last year. And, and it's just, it just you hear it in, and you watch more post-game press conferences than I do, but you hear, oh, in Game 7... You know, that, that one game, it really came together. They're admitting it to you. Yep. So, one more time with the pick. UCLA, over five and a half wins. Brad Powers on Twitter, and he's been putting... Now, he had a heated debate. Matty Holt was involved about, what, the most improved teams? Yeah, Florida Which State. was the one that was the Florida most... State. That was the one everyone... You thought they were improved. Everyone's saying, no way. No, just Matty. He's getting some negative... <laughs> it was Matty taking the heat, not me. Everyone was defending my pick on Florida State. Well, listen, I mean, who in the right mind... <laughs> Welcome to Mirage, Mr. Papa Giorgio. Who would mess with Brad Powers? <laughs> Steve Fezzik, you're next. Let's go to the NFL. We're going to play the Houston Texans under 8.5 wins, minus 150. RJ, it is all about strength of schedule. Houston has a very difficult schedule this year. Now, I know what you're going to ask me. You're going to say, well, isn't that built into the number? The key to this is that the year before, Houston had a very easy schedule. So it's the delta that they're going from an easy schedule to a difficult schedule. I'm obviously not going to read the entire schedule through, but just to give a couple of examples, Jacksonville last year, horrible, 5-11. and Texans beat them twice. Jacksonville going to be a much better team with Foles. You look at the field games that they're not locked into, those two of the 16 games not set by formula. Last year, they played Cleveland and Denver. Houston did two below-average teams. This year, Houston gets to play New England and the Chargers. Add it all up with that much, much more difficult schedule. We are going under eight and a half wins, Houston Texans. Hmm. Now, in general, I wonder if the market is accounting for something when it's obvious. To me, I think strength of schedule is something that's not all, especially on win totals, which is a you know niche type bet. 
not always obvious. So I trust that, you know, that delta is meaningful or provides some value. Number two, I think the fact that, well, forget number two. Let me ask you this question, Steve, is has this line moved? Has the mar- I mean, is the market agreeing with you here? The market is strongly agreeing. This total opened up at eight and a half, and now it's although it's still eight and a half, have to pay a lot of extra vigorish on the under minus a dollar forty five currently. So, like thirty five cent move. Yes, but you still think there's value. I still think so. Okay, any thoughts on that, Brad? Yeah, I lean with it. I mean, particularly negative for Houston is this stretch in October where they're going four road trips in five weeks. And we're talking road games against playoff teams. Kansas City, Indianapolis, Baltimore, a trip to England that Houston has never been accustomed to. Lean Houston, under. All right, we got Dave Astor next. I tell you, we've gone in that two-hour range. Let's just quit. I mean, literally 90 seconds on this Kawhi situation. I just got an alert saying it could be days. Let's agree with the following, Faz. If Kawhi goes to the Lakers... This is going to be a historic favored team. What would you put the number at? Yeah, the Lakers minus 150 to win the title. That'd be only the second team in the modern era of the NBA that was minus money against the field. The three Durant Warriors teams also were. And even Jordan's Bulls, Kobe, and Shaq and the Lakers. No, no, no. This is would be the second best team in that regard. I don't know how they do against Brooklyn. Maybe we'll find out. Now, if they go to Toronto... Toronto won't be favored, but they'll be right behind the Lakers. Would you agree? Correct. I'd have Toronto around five to one, the Lakers four to one. Oh, really? That close? Wow. I'd like to lay against Toronto in that case. Now, not to, I mean, most people agree. If anything, the ESPN guys are even more confident. Yeah, so. they pulled four guys from ESPN too. Said Toronto definitely should be the favorite. Two other guys said they possibly should be the favorite with Kawhi. Now, to me. What's fascinating, there's two different angles here. I'm not going to try to say how do we predict where he's going to go because it's kind of, you know, I guess you can bet it to some degree and you can bet the team if the market's giving you a fair price as a way to think, oh, he's going to sign here. But what I found fascinating is one thing points Lakers, one thing doesn't. If he's with LeBron, going to win some titles, you'd think, but every title he wins, LeBron wins one. So there'd be no way to catch LeBron, at least during LeBron's career when they play on the same team. And thus, if his goal is to be the best best player of the era, he would be helping his competition. So that says no Lakers. What says yes Lakers is AD is just as young as him or a little bit younger. Yeah, I think, 26. Right? Kawhi's 28. So once LeBron is phased out, they're going to have another max the Lakers, max contract. And now you have AD, let's say, and Kawhi at like 29-30 with another max contract. This is a team, I mean, Kawhi could win six, you know, if he won four titles in six or seven years with the Lakers, would that be shocking if it's them three for the next couple and then who knows from there? Well, of course not. If they're minus 150, they're basically saying five years, three titles, right? Yeah, I mean, if it stayed that way each year. So... But again, LeBron's winning some of those, so a lot of things to think about. Any other thoughts on Kawhi? And we'll have, obviously, probably the news next week. Nope. All right, last thing, Dave Esler with his best bet, college win total. And we'll be back next week. Fez is on his second of how many vacations? Two. Two. Okay, so this is it. This is it. Woo! All right. 
And are you? Uh, is it an undisclosed location in Hawaii? Un. <laughs> oh, geez. one of the islands. I will be doing extensive football research. Oh, I, I, as well. I, I just I can't listen. Clear, clear your head, whatever it takes. And I mean, I w- you know my dream one day is to go to Hawaii. So in a way, I can vicariously live through you. All right, guys. Here comes Dave Asler. Talk to you next week. <laughs> I got a college football season win total I really like. Might have some disagreement. South Carolina under six wins. I know a lot of people are high on them. They got more talent, but they also have the toughest schedule in the nation. Let me look at it real quick. At North Carolina, opening up, they're minus seven and a half. I'm not buying it. Tar Heels return 81% of their offensive production. South Carolina losing Debo is a big deal. I don't think it's a gimme, and I know Brad has them as a a much-improved team. Uh, It's hard not to be from last year. Charleston Southern will give them two wins. Alabama at home on no rest. Alabama lost here to South Carolina in 2010. Saban doesn't forget that, although I think it'll be closer than the spread at South Carolina's first loss. At Missouri, who will be in a great spot, lost a brutal game on revenge, second loss. At home to Kentucky without Snell. Kentucky second straight road game, South Carolina gets it. At Ugga, although Ugga will have been at Tennessee the week prior, you have to think they beat South Carolina in Athens. Third loss, home to Florida. Must champ against his Florida team. South Carolina is 24-0 when they rush for 100 yards under must champ. Florida will make Bentley beat them, and without Samuel, I don't think he can. At Tennessee, they won't win at Tennessee. At home to App State, App is never a pushover, and it's a horrible spot. But I'll give it to South Carolina. That's their fourth win at A&M. Aggies will win. Home to Clemson. Clemson probably be looking for the undefeated season. Although it's a huge rivalry and stuff does happen, give it to Clemson. So that's four wins and seven losses. I can be wrong on two games and still win South Carolina under six. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.